everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Matis from DNBR, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Moore from the Action Network. Matt, how are you feeling heading in now to Game 7 for the third time in the last two, two seasons, uh, another Game 7? I want the dramatic music to be playing the the, the, <laughs> the slow walkthrough of the players, like just showing their feet as they enter the arena, like yeah. the slow motion shots of them and designer outfits and like just the whole thing. It's game seven is such an epic thing in sports. It's such an incredible moment. And I think, you know, for the nuggets, you have the thrill of the game seven victory over the Spurs for the, this iteration's first playoff win and their first playoff series win since 2009. Yeah. Uh, then you have good God. Yeah. <laughs> then you have the agony, you know, the agony and and despair of uh, the game seven loss to Portland, and not even the agony and despair. That one was just more of a like, a, oh man, like it was just yeah, like a real a bummer. bummer. Yeah. It was just a real bummer. Um, I feel like tomorrow is going to be pretty emotional either way, and it's going to be such oh. like, it's it's such an extra. It's just extra. Like everything is extra. It is in extra this, in that you're tired and you want to go home, but you're still fighting and you're fighting for the principle of fighting, but you're also like with everything in the broader you know, social justice framework. And then also this team that you play all the time and that you play close all the time yeah. and you, you won in game one and looked like, yeah, we got this, we got this. And then everything fell apart and you claw your way back and Jamal yeah. scores 50, 42 and 50. And you're right back here with a chance just to get to the second round and face the Clippers. But, you know, it's a, it's a real, honestly, to me, part of this is the series. When I started thinking about this today, there's a little bit of the Nuggets season in terms of it, of it echoing it. The, the strong start in the, in in November when, you know, they didn't really play well, but they got the job done and we're like, well, they keep winning. So it's not a problem. Um, the real issues and the wobbling that occurred um, throughout the, the the middle of the season, and then that lift when everybody was hurt in uh, in January is kind of mirrored when when they kind of got healthier, honestly, a little bit at least with Gary. And now, like we're entering this this last phase, and and there's no telling how this ends. There's just no really telling is, how this is ends. it. Is it too hot takey? Is this too, too incendiary to say that the season, like? how we view the season pivots on one game. I mean, it almost validates or invalidates the season in a lot of ways. No, I think it's fair because of how this series feels. But here's the problem is like, what's crazy is if they win, it becomes like, oh, what resilience. Like this team is just better than we thought. When in reality, it's like they were favored to win this series. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They were significant favorites to win this series. Um, and it took them seven games for me, I think. And the other thing is like, yeah, this was the last series that you were going to be in, but it's not like, you know, only one team gets to go out on the note that they want. But if you turn around and then the Clippers absolutely jump up and down on you for four games, then all of the good feelings from the jazz, it just turns into like, they barely got by the jazz and then they got annihilated by the Clippers. But if they win tomorrow and then they put up a fight or beat the Clippers, Oh my God. And then on the other end of it, like if they lose tomorrow, it's yeah, they had that comeback, but they still fell short. They regressed. They were worse this year than they were last. And we know this team isn't good enough. And we know it's heading in in another direction. 
like, yes, like a lot hinges on tomorrow in terms of what's going to have today in terms of what is going to decide the future of Denver Nuggets basketball. I think so too. And I don't think it's too incendiary to say, I mean, let's be honest at the end of the day, you either win or lose. And yes, a lot of things always go into there. We always talk about the context and this or that, but at the end of the day, the Nuggets either lose in the first round or they make it beyond that. And, um, I don't know that the team will necessarily be different. Their upside necessarily different one way or another. Maybe, you know, getting to second rounds more experience. So, okay, that you get that there. But um, at the end of the day, they're going to be the same team. It's just, do you win or do you not win? Do you get over the hump? And um, so it, that's, what's, that's what's so fun about a game seven. But I'm telling you, Matt, it, I'm going to be a nervous wreck all day. I might try to sleep till four in the afternoon just so I don't have to uh, experience any anxiety. But today's episode of the show, we're going to start to preview this series and the way we're going to, or this game seven, and the way we're going to preview it is by talking about the players in order of importance. This is for both teams. I made the list. Matt's going to tell me if he agrees with my list as we go through it, but we're also just going to talk about each player and sort of what's, you know, what's expected, what's, what the worry is, um, you know, best scenario, all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to start here, Matt. My number one most important player tomorrow, in my opinion, is Donovan Mitchell. Hmm. First of all, do you agree with that? And I'll tell you my thinking here. Jamal Murray easily could have been this guy. I don't see Utah winning if Donovan Mitchell isn't superb. I think there's a scenario in which the Nuggets win if Jamal is less than superb. I don't think there's – if he's bad, I don't think Nuggets win. But I could see him having 27, 28 points in the Nuggets winning. I don't see that with the, the Utah Jazz. I think Donovan Mitchell has to really go off for them to win. I don't agree. Okay. I think – uh, the Jazz starting lineup in this series is a plus. They have a plus net rating. Right. They have they have not as many weapons as Denver, but they have enough weapons to win this game if Donovan has a so-so game. Because yeah. especially because like I think I think that they have a better defensive game in them than Denver has. They haven't shown it. Denver's torched them. Denver's offense is great. I'm not disputing that. But I can see, uh, hmm. especially in a game seven. Like, if you say, like, it's tight, it's ugly, it's two teams throwing bricks at each other like a lot of Game 7s are, even in this environment, which I don't expect. I'm just saying it's possible. <laughs> like the Utah, Who knows what to expect with the yeah. shooting, man? I have, yeah. honestly, Game 7s, the shooting's almost always terrible, and inside the bubble, games are always great shooting. So who? it, it really is an unmovable object. What is it? Unstoppable object, unmovable. What, what is the phrase here? The unstoppable force meets an immovable oh, object. It However, in, in this series, it's been an extremely movable object <laughs> is hit by an unstoppable, unstoppable force. force. Yeah, um, for sure. So I, I don't, I don't agree that Mitchell is number one, because I think there are more paths to a Utah victory that involve their best player, not having an a plus game than there is for, uh, then the stars playing well for Denver. I mean, Malone singled that out early in the series, right? Like, we need our best players to play better, and they play better, and they won. So for me, also a lot of it is, um, the other reason I would say no is, Donovan Mitchell can have a monster game. Donovan Mitchell can have 50 yeah. points, and they could still lose. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that part's definitely true, but I, I guess we disagree on this. I don't think Donovan Mitchell can have anything better, less than an A game for Utah to win. I think they need him that much. He's by far their most dynamic player. And he's also, you know, at the end of the game yesterday, I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but Donovan Mitchell got just a little yep. frustrated with teammates. He lost a little bit of faith. And I, it was funny to me when you go back and watch it, Quinn Snyder, he's interviewed going into the fourth quarter as the coaches, you know, the, the, the home coach always is. And he said, they was asked about uh, Jamal Murray and he said something about, 
well, you know, he's a, in addition to being a great player, he's also playing very unselfishly. And ah, like he ah. made this comment and I was like, oh, oh, that sounds a little like <laughs> suggestive there. So, um, so Donovan Mitchell to me, it, it's him. Here's some numbers on him. The Jazz are 13 points per 100 possessions better with him on than off. That shouldn't be too much of a surprise, but it's more than anybody besides Ingles. Ingles that was kind of surprising to me. He has more three-pointers in Jazz losses, and he takes more free throws in Jazz wins. This could be negligible. Um, you know, This could just be random noise, especially in a six-game series. But I did find that interesting that it's really getting into the paint and getting to the foul line, in addition to the kick-out threes that, that – um, I think are more dangerous for Donovan Mitchell. Maybe he hits a bunch of these pull-up threes, but maybe he doesn't. And if Denver can just not foul him, not put him on the foul line, I, I think they have a much better chance of containing him. Again, I think where I get to is um, the reason I, I think he can't be most important is again, he can have a great game and they can lose. Mm, like yeah. I, I, I mean, it's happened. I don't believe that the player that I have number one has a great game that the Nuggets will lose. I think if the, wow. if, if the player that I have circled it has a great game, is the most important player, then the Nuggets win no matter what the Jazz do. Well, that's a great tease to go into our second uh, our, our, our second segment here um, where you can kind of let me know who yours are. Actually, I'll just keep going through my list. I have a feeling that my number, your number one is not even going to be my number two. So um, we'll just put a pit in that. But first, I want to tell you about the presenting sponsor of this show today, rockauto.com. There's an ever-increasing number of makes, models, uh, different types of cars, and it's impossible to stock all of the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure pointless and intimidating questioning about your car when you go in to speak to the guy behind the counter? When you just have access to a computer, that means you have access to rockauto.com. Right at home at your computer or in your pocket on your smartphone. Um, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for your auto um, auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, uh, tail la uh, lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet and interior products. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, you can get everything that you need. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Back here on the Locked On Nuggets podcast, and I'm joined by Matt Moore. Okay, so we're going through the list of players we think are most important um, and, and just kind of talking about them in that order. I had Donovan Mitchell, number one. You disagreed. Number two for me, Jamal Murray. And I have a sense that this is not your number two either, but nonetheless, we're going to talk about the guy who has two 50-point games in the last three next. What more can realistically be expected from Jamal Murray? I mean, honest. Uh, this is an honest question. I mean, I'm looking at him in wins that in the series. The, he is averaging 42.7 points per game. I mean, is it realistic to expect him to have 40 points per game in Game 7? So the reason that I don't think Jamal is number two or number one is because you can't reasonably expect more from Jamal. Like, yeah. in any playoff series, the way that it probably should break down if the teams are evenly matched, which these two teams are, is that there's going to be two coin flip games. Um, each team should have their stars decide, you know, their stars combined should decide two games. 
Um, and then you've got four, and then the rest of them just kind of go depending on matchup schemes, et cetera. So for me, it's just like Jamal won two games. Like he won, yeah. he won two games. He especially won game five. Like he won game five. Game six, honestly, I think it was like the Nuggets as a team played better than Utah. Yeah, and he put them away. He made it yeah. a 12-point win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and, agree. And he didn't need to score 50 in order for them to win. Uh, he did it, and that's why they won. It was the biggest yeah. reason why they won, because he scored 50. But uh, game five in particular was just like Jamal just drug, just dragged them. Jamal yeah. just absolutely got the robes and just pulled them up the hill. And so, like, for me, I'm just like, I can't reasonably say that Jamal, like, if Jamal doesn't play well tomorrow, I'm not going to say that the series is on him. Like, if well, the, of course not. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you can. I'm going to be like, Jamal did absolutely everything possible. You came me, he scored 50, 42, yeah. and 50. What more do you want from him? Right. So, like, you can't ask any more from him. And if you can't ask any more from him in a series, because that's the thing is, like, you don't, you don't like it when I, I break down Jokic quarter by quarter. Like, you, you also, I think, in a series, you have to look at, like, the whole thing about how they've played and Jamal from start to end, I can say he had one bad game. Jamal had one bad game. Game three was so far gone that even though I thought he was still fighting through screens and trying to do stuff, it just wasn't going to matter. Like they're just, it was, it was his efforts were useless in that game because of where the team was at. But four, uh, but four, five and six, he gave it absolutely everything and he did enough. So for me, like I expect Jamal to have a good game. I expect Jamal to score 30 points. I expect Jamal to have six assists at least. I expect Jamal to have a low turnover count, which is a nice new wrinkle that he's added in. But I don't expect him to be the best player because he's done it these two times. He has made his contribution. It is now up to other people Man. to bring it home. I mean, look, I think Donovan Mitchell's going to have a big game tomorrow. I think that there's, you know, it, it, this is the thing about the superstar, right? You don't get to say, oh, you know, Kevin Durant is a good player and he's already had four good games in the series. What's, you know, he can't be expected to have a fifth good one or Steph Curry. When, you're, when you become a superstar, and I've anointed him, I've said, look, Jamal Murray has shown this to me. I just think that now the baseline is higher. The goalposts have moved. It's, hey, you got to step up. And stepping up, by the way, might not mean 40 or 50 points. What I expect tomorrow, maybe for the first time in the series, maybe it's the second time in the series, I expect him to be line number one on the scouting report. What I mean by that is I think that this series has been largely about for Utah stopping Jokic, you know, cutting off the head of the snake of their offense and then seeing if they can beat elsewhere. Now that we're through six games, it's very clear that, that Jamal Murray is up to that challenge. And I wonder if now it's, hey, at all costs, let's stop Jamal Murray and see what happens. And I want to see how he handles that. If Should that be the game plan that they sort of adjust and say, get the ball out of his hands. And I want to see how he responds to that. But I also think that probably the best way for him to respond to that is to make the right play, get the ball out. And that may not lead directly to assist. It may just right. lead to a, yep. may lead to a totally. hockey assist. It may totally. lead to just, just getting more opportunities. And so there's things that aren't going to necessarily show up. And a lot of that is just like, make the right play. Just if yeah. you make the right play, you're going to have, you're going to have four on three. And at that point, you know, they, if they come out in this game and are like, we're blitzing them, we yeah. can't live with this anymore. Screw it. Jokic is going to have Denver, to be I think that's a win for Denver if they do. I agree. I absolutely think it's a win for Denver if, if that happens. I think setting up Michael Porter Jr. in particular and Jeremy Grant with wide open in-rhythm shooters off of Jokic on the short roll is absolute. Like Denver's like, please, please yeah, give it. it to us. Bring Rudy Gobert out to, out to 25 feet. Bring him out there. That's great. Go for it. 
like that absolutely plays into their hands. But no, I, um, but even still, if that happens, then it's not even so much that, again, at that point, like Jamal can only make the right play. And if he, if he messes up and he doesn't live up to like making the right play, like that's simple basketball stuff. But it's also, I'm just going to look at it and go like, yeah, but they're not there without him with what, without what he did. Yeah, so yeah. for me, he's not number one and he's not number two. So number one for you, I have to assume is Nikola Jokic. Yes. And he's number three for me. I, I think there's a case for any of these guys, really even number four. Um, it could, could have been the number one, could be, end up being the number one most important player. So tell me why Jokic to you is the most important player of this game. I think there's a fair argument for this. Because I think, I think the Jazz are going to dare him. I think the Jazz do not. I think the Jazz went into the series thinking that we got to shut down Jokic. And they haven't shut him down. His numbers have been fine. But you haven't had a game where they you shut felt down like, his assists for the most part. And you haven't you haven't had a game where you felt like Joker just like kicked their ass up and down. Not even totally. for like totally. a half. And so there I think at this point it's going to be interesting because this is a really interesting di- di- dilemma because Snyder comes he he got he's been coaching forever and he's learned he's done stints with Doc Rivers and he's done stints with um Mike Budenholzer and all sorts of people, but a lot of his NBA approach comes from what he learned under Greg Popovich with the, the Austin Toros with the D league. And then he went to Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta and pick up more there. And a lot of that comes down to in the series, you stick with the game plan. Like we saw it tonight in the bucks game that mm-hmm. you don't adjust because you focus on your execution and then you worry about your scheme. Once the execute, once you're able to say the execution was perfect and it doesn't work, then you can worry about your scheme, which is not, by the way, the right approach, I don't think. Like, I'm not an NBA coach, and I understand all the reasons that they think this. I just don't happen to agree in this one in this one facet. So it'll be interesting to see if Snyder's like, no. Like, the key with this team is you cannot let Joker get going. You cannot let him get assists, because he's going to get points anyway. We have to stay home on him. We have to stay home on shooters, et cetera. But I would think that the team itself, like, I would think the Jazz players are going to be like, we have to double Murray. Like right. we cannot have, it's embarrassing that he's dropping 50 on us. And there's going to be pressure, I think from ownership, like everyone in the world is like, how are you not doubling Murray? Even though people like you and I are like, because then Nikola Jokic has a four on three, which is a recipe for getting your ass kicked. But yeah. that's kind of the key here. And well, the so, other thing is if you just go down the list though, and look at the players that you feel are going to perform under pressure in a game seven, Jamal Murray's number one to me. Um, so taking the ball out of his hands and just saying, even maybe an open Michael Porter Jr. who hasn't earned his stripes in this league yet, maybe we'll take that over Jamal Murray, who's just playing with the confidence of Zeus at the moment. Right. But if Joker goes out and if they're like, nope, we're staying home and Joker just hits short roll floater after short roll floater, posts up the big when they have to bring help over, um, because Rudy's up high, or if they pull Rudy off of, of Jokic, which is what they've done, and run Joker off of screens and punish them that way. If he has a monster game, if he wins the battle, if, and look, this is, I looked at this today. It's very easy to be like, well, yeah, because Rudy Gobert and Nikola Jokic play the most minutes. So if they're in the positive, they probably won. But I think it actually, with these two, it really is how it goes. In every game that the Jazz have won, Rudy Gobert was a positive and Nikola Jokic was a negative. In every game Denver won, Nikola Jokic was a positive and Rudy Gobert was a negative and plus minus. It really is that simple. If you win the minutes with Joker on the floor, the Nuggets win game seven in advance. I think the minutes with Joker on the floor are going to be all but like seven minutes tomorrow. So yeah. I strong agree uh, even on that point. But 
the thing I'm curious about, Gobert has been able to camp out in the paint. I don't think he's going to be able to do that tomorrow. I think that the Nuggets have kind of found ways to force him out of that comfort zone. And the thing I wonder about is, can you draw fouls? When a player gets to stand in the paint and sort of set up shop, yeah. they just don't foul. It's very easy to be the vertical guy that just kind of block shots. If you start getting guys having to close out and rotate over, and, and now you're clo- you're getting attacked on a closeout and you have to do all this stuff, you can draw fouls on him. And that's one of the things I'm so curious about tomorrow is can the Nuggets, first of all, get the, get the D- Utah defense scrambled, and can Jokic put him in foul trouble? Because if Gobert – I mean, the thing about Gobert is – even more so than Denver. I mean, Denver has Mason Plumlee behind Jokic, who of course is not nearly as good, but at least if you have to go 10 minutes with Mason Plumlee, you're like, okay, he knows what to do. He's competent. I don't think you have that on the other side with, with Rudy Gobert. He yeah. has to be on the court for them against Jokic or else they're cooked. So um, so that's why I think Jokic is number three for me, but you make the case for number one, and I think it's completely fair. I hope we get the Jokic game tomorrow. Um, if we don't and Denver loses, I think this will be a, a, a disappointing playoffs for Jokic. If you get the win from him, I think it'll be like I, I think it would be like a passing grade, right? It would be like neither good nor bad. I mean, even if he has a monster game tomorrow, I think you'd say okay. But there were some lows in the series. There were some highs. You know, it, it was a struggle, whatever. But if he can, if 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 they don't, and he just does not have a great game tomorrow, I think you look at that and go, wow, you know, he's got to be improve or or, or this or that going forward. Number four for me is Rudy Gobert. I mean, Jokic and Gobert are kind of, you know, obviously are matched up, pitted against each other. It's just to me, Jokic is the control. Gobert, the variable, he's the response. What he does is a little bit more just basic. Um, I mean, I'm not trying – actually, I am trying to hate on the guy. I really dislike Rudy Gobert's style of play. I've made that very well known on this podcast. The Jazz are minus 1.8 with him off uh, on off, so they're uh, slightly better, I guess, overall. That doesn't seem right. He's been shaky the last two games, though. The one thing I've been dropping passes, missing layups, fumbling things, getting frustrated, um, and he's scoring 20 points and wins 13 and losses. He, he's the fourth guy, and I think I don't know that Gobert can have a monster game. I think it's more about just like if he gets set up. It means somebody else is having a monster game and he's finishing it. Anything else you'd want to say about Rudy Gobert in this game seven? The Jazz with Rudy Gobert on the floor have a 124 defensive rating. With him on the bench, they have a 100 defensive rating. What? Not kidding. That's how it Wild. goes. That's how it goes. Now, he's playing a ton of minutes, and that's a large part of it. It's only 61 minutes with him off, but um, they've played better. They've played. They've been, honestly, they've been better with him on the bench. And a lot of that's because like he's lost minutes when Mason's been on the floor. Like I think Mason's yeah. just played, played really well. Um, I don't know. I, I think for me, I would go Joker, Mitchell. I would probably not have Jamal or Gobert third. I would probably go Ingles. Wow. That's interesting. Huh? Well, um, <laughs> that's fascinating. That's not how my, my list goes in order. I, I, last thing I'll say about Gobert, though, before we take another break, I think the early minutes in this in game seven are important. They're not crucial. I just think they're important because I do think, again, you pick up some foul trouble on Jokic, Denver's in trouble. You pick up some foul trouble on Gobert, they're in trouble. If you put pressure on the other team, you get up five, six, seven early on. I just think all the role players get a little bit tighter, and Gobert has not had a good stint really since game five. And I think if you have a, a first quarter, what, what is it? Oh, I just have, I have a, a point that, I really, that kind of ties off of this, which is just – Here's the big thing. If Rudy has a frustrated game, he's going to start to pout. He's going to pout. And then 
you will see this, that the other players start looking sideways at each other. Like this again, huh? Yep. Like it, it, I think you already saw it a little bit last yep. game. There there's he a lot of easy ones. There is more than, than a little bit of evidence. And like, look, like this isn't like a bad thing about Rudy. Like Rudy gets to be like, have like an ego and Rudy gets to be a, like, do you think everybody on the nuggets loves playing with Nikola Jokic where you don't know what he's going to do night to night or right. in some nights he might not take a shot. Like, no, like there are dudes that clearly like were extremely bothered by that, that are always kind of like, well, it's not great, but he's the best player on the team. So this is how it goes. And like, <laughs> yeah. that's just how it is sometimes with dudes. And so, um, you know, I think there's been always been chemistry questions about the jazz. They were there before everything that happened at the shutdown. Um, they were there after they've been there since. And it was like, when they're winning, everything looks great. This is the thing is that Rudy Gobert looks like everything looks awesome. And his energy looks great when they're winning. And when things are not going to plan. So true. It, so true. It, everything that, starts to look really negative. Get that early momentum. I think it's key. All right, let's take a break. And then in the third segment, we're going to round out the others. And we talked about the four main guys in the series. Now let's kind of rank the others, which I think will be, I think we're going to completely disagree with this one. here on the Locked On Nuggets podcast. My co-host, Matt Moore. I'm Adam Matas. And okay, so now we've ranked in order. We, we each have sort of different ways we put Jokic, Murray, Donovan, Gobert. But now I would get into these other guys. My next guy, who I guess is number five, but I guess you could just say the number one of the others, the role players, was actually Gary Harris. Huh. And here's why. In addition to just providing that defensive spark and what I thought completely shutting down Jordan Clarkson and these hustle plays, rebounds, all that other stuff. He played 20 minutes. I'm curious how many minutes he can handle in game seven, pressure, high stakes moments. And if he, if he can play 25, 30 minutes, I just think it makes Denver's rotation so much easier. We've talked about oh, the Nuggets have to survive this awful lineup that they've conjured together that hasn't played a single minute prior to the series, and it's clunky. With Gary Harris, you just have fewer of those. And if he can play 25, 30 minutes at the level he played last game, I think Denver – I don't want to say roles, but I think that their odds go way up in this series. So he was he was the top of this list for me. I mean, I think it's a reasonable case just because I think it's very easy to forget. When I went through, I just looked at all the defensive stuff for Gary last night. There's just, there's all these, that's why I love that defense. You have to really pay attention. Like, no. I don't ever, I hardly ever notice the, the key things defensively live. As much as I watch basketball, I really don't. Like a lot of times, I just I miss it, and then I go back and I watch it, and I watch it, and I go, "Wait, what did they do there? Uh, wait, how'd that work? Like, why?" Do you? Yeah. And, and sometimes it looks like, "Oh, he just missed a shot," and then you really dig in. You're like, "No, like he got pushed off a spot. Like he right. wasn't quite where he should have. Like he wants to be." And you notice these little things when you see him over and over again. You learn the patterns, and that's what I love about, about watching defense. And that's what Gary Harris brings, and just like the competence and and all of these things. Um, I have a I have an interesting question for you. Okay. Final possession of the game, the Jazz create a havoc situation where like it's a broken play. Okay, final play of the game, Nuggets need a score, tied, let's say, and the ball is, is going to roll, and it's going to roll one of two ways. It's either going to roll to Gary Harris or Michael Porter Jr. Mm. It can't go to Jokic, it can't go to Murray. Yeah, where do you want the ball to roll, Michael Porter? Okay, I think pretty easily. I w I wouldn't have too much confidence in in, and I know I know Michael Porter had the near ear ball down the stretch, and I think that's like strong evidence for maybe him just you know freezing up in the moment but at the end of the day 
he's a phenomenal shooter. Gary Harris isn't, so I'll take that. And I also just trust his ability to get a shot off in that moment. Another thing about Gary, though, you didn't mention, familiarity. And I've been thinking about this so much, in part because talking to George Carl last week, he mentioned this with Michael Porter specifically about, does the team know who they are? Do they know who their identity is when he's on the court with the starting unit? And I, th- I honestly think the answer is no. And it's not Michael Porter's fault. It's just that he's such a variable. I think they do with Gary Harris. And that's why if he can play 30 minutes, I think it makes Jamal Murray's job easier. It makes Jokic's job easier. It makes everybody else on the court because they're like, oh, yeah, this guy has started for us for five straight seasons and we know exactly what we get out of him. That's very valuable to a Denver Nuggets team that's playing lineups that they've never played together. My next most important player, this one's crazy. You're going to definitely agree with this. Jordan Clarkson. Huh. And let me give you this crazy stat. In his three wins in this series, in the, in the Utah's three wins, he is a plus 51, raw plus minus overall. That's the second best on the team. In losses, he is a minus 46. That's the worst. <laughs> he is simultaneous. And by the way, Ingles is only a plus 52. So Jordan Clarkson's basically the biggest plus in wins and the biggest minus in losses. <laughs> it was the best of Jordan Clarkson. It was the worst of Jordan <laughs> Clarkson. I mean, that's what you get with him. Yeah. Yeah, I think, look, I, I think, um, again, I don't know what to expect because of the shooting that's been going on in the bubble, right? It could just be, wind, like, you always want it to be these superstars, and I find that a lot of times it winds up being yeah. other dudes. Uh, yeah. So, for example, here's, like, an example. The Game 7 between the Spurs and Hornets in 2008, a lot of it came down to Gennaro Pargo, who'd been a really good shooter, missed absolutely everything for four quarters, just couldn't hit anything. And a role player on the Spurs, who I can't even remember, I just remember it was a role player that wasn't even that good of a shooter, it was red hot. Um, Like, you just, you find these things where that's what winds up determining it, that in one game, every single bucket, and when when it's that tight, everything matters so much. Yeah, and tonight so, Dort hit back to back threes, and it is why Oklahoma City won. won. It's the single yeah. reason why they won. And so, like, look, if Jordan and here's the problem with Jordan Clarkson too is you can play great defense on him, and he'll still he he is a natural bucket getter. And the reason those guys, despite all their bad defense and decision making continue to be on playoff teams why Lou Williams is on the Clippers why Jamal Crawford was on playoff teams for years and like I'm not knocking those guys I love watching those guys play but the the dudes that you would describe as he's a bucket like the reason you do that is because they turn low percentage opportunities into a high conversion rate in key situations like that's the entire reason because you know you're a negative overall you don't pass the ball well because for the most part they're black holes. You're not running the offense well. You're not playing defense. But what they do do is they're able to just have it be like, it doesn't matter because you made like five huge shots. And Jordan Clarkson is the kind of guy that definitely fills that role. And one of the problems I think for Denver is I don't know who that guy is. There are some candidates, but there's not an obvious, like Malik Beasley would be the dude. There is not an obvious, like that guy beat us. They, they don't have that. Because, in quite honestly, like the Nuggets have more valid weapons than Jazz. Well, I, th- I think there is that guy for Denver. And he's the next one on my list, and it's mm. Michael Porter. And he's <laughs> he's he's the, he's the next most important player for me for two reasons. And look, there's guys like Mike Conley, Joe Ingles that are lower down on this list, in part because I feel like those guys' ceiling and floor, or I shouldn't say ceiling and floor, but they're like 75th best per, and they're 25 percentage worst or whatever, is pretty narrow. Like those guys are pretty consistent players. They're going to give you what they give you. And Maybe they get really hot and have career night, but most likely they're not. Jordan Clarkson might give you 30 points. I mean, he's just that kind of play. He might give you zero. Michael Porter's the exact same way. 
And in addition to being defensively, I think he's grown up a lot in the series. If he has his best defensive game of the series in this game, I think that's a huge positive for the Nuggets and they get a big lift. If he has his best offensive game in the series, which is very doable because he hasn't really had great offensive performances, that's a huge boost for Denver. So to me, you look at expected output for Michael Porter tomorrow, it's probably 10 points, five, six rebounds, a sieve on defense a little bit. But he's capable of having a 25-point night. He's capable of getting loose for some of these threes, getting a couple offensive rebounds. And then defensively, if he just is, has his best, you know, he looks like the best version of himself on defense, which is still not that great, but, but it's not a complete disaster, that swings everything by such a large percentage point. With Paul Millsap on the court, alongside Michael Porter Jr., the Nuggets have a 115.7 offensive rating, which is pretty good, and a 127.5 defensive rating, which is horrible. They're minus 11.8. With Millsap off the court with Porter on, they have a 130 offensive rating and a 112.5, which is not good, but in the playoffs, why? It is great. Inside the bubble, that's like historic. That's That's fine. Um, For a plus 17.5. Net yeah. rating. The difference between them is over 29 points. Yeah. There could be a little noise. I mean, I think there's probably a lot yeah. of noise in, in all of these minutes. stats because yeah. it's six game yeah. series or whatever. Yeah. But I, I also just think, man, I mean, Mill said this might not be his series. Um, it's absolutely not. It's not, not, there's no might. It is like, it is absolutely not his series. Like, it is 100% <laughs> well, not. Well, he's going to play. So I, I, I hope that's not true just because I know he's going to get his 20 minutes that I. That, I just, well, that, would be, that would be the guy, right? Like, if you're going to, if, if that's yeah. the guy, is that, is that for Paul Millsap to hit four threes and for Jazz fans to just lose their minds over the guy sucked the entire series and he hits four th- and a former player? That's, that's the biggest candidate. Um, look, I think here's my thing. I think it's very easy to like, I I'm the king of like something's working with the, with the plus minus data. Right. Like I'm, I'm the king of that. I t- I put more stock into it than most people do because I've, I look at it simply did this work or did this not in the minutes of that it was played. One of my problems is a lot of Porter's minutes have coincided with what I feel has been a phenomenal series from Mason Plumley. And has included some really good minutes with, like, he's been on the court for quite a few minutes with Jamal. And Jamal's obviously been, like, a supernova. I'm not saying that he hasn't been good because there have been ways in which he's good. My big kind of key here is that I'm not entirely, like, I don't feel like it is reasonable to expect anything of him in a game seven. Like, I just don't feel like I can, I can, I could say, yes, I believe that this can work. By the way, in the 21 minutes that Gary Harris and Porter played last night, they were a plus 44.5 with a 135 (laughs) offensive Um, And it's like, it's 21 minutes or whatever. But I'm just saying like, uh, there's ways that this can work. And like, honestly, like Gary, if Gary were to start tomorrow, I would lean a lot more towards playing Porter again in the starting unit. That will not happen. Um, yeah, there's no way you're mixing up your starting lineup. I will you. also say this though: a lot of it, this Porter is going to be. There's just going to be a point of contention on a lot of this uh, with I think Nuggets fans and analysts in this regard. The discrepancy to which I feel Porter's defense is evaluated, it all comes within the same spectrum. So we're not like at, at opposite ends. It's just that there are those that are like, yeah, but he did like some things good. And so, like, overall, like, I think he can do some things. And then there's other of us, like me, who are like, Donovan has ripped him apart. 
I'm like, telling you, I think he's been better though. I know, I know that's crazy to say. I just think he's gotten better. It is better. crazy to say he's going to target him again. And here's he the will, thing. he will. But I'm saying that he has in early on in the series, he was so bad that it was just like, okay, he can't be on the court. I think he can be on. He's been on the court and he's been a big piece of the Nuggets' last two wins. So. I, I, again, I don't think he's going to be good defensively. It's just, can he not be a complete disaster because he does open things up on the other end? And I think tomorrow, especially, he's going to get opportunities to get open shots from three. Who knows if he'll hit him? Who knows? Um, rounding out our list, though, here. So I have Ingles, Conley, Jeremy Grant as like their next tier. Those guys, to me, they all play, again, kind of within this like same level. If any of them go scoreless or have a really off night where they're just missing you know, 20% from the field, that really weighs the team down. If any of them goes off and you know, 70% from the field, of course that rises it. But I just feel like they're all the same. They're, they're, kind, of, they're kind of just the other good players. You know, not, not, not the guys that you expect super highs and lows for. They're just going to be kind of middle there. And if one of them isn't, then that changes things. So I think Ingles is really important. I think Ingles is really important because Ingles disengaged last game. It was kind of weird. Like he just was like, well, guess it's not my night. And I was, yeah. and it was really baffling. Uh, if the nuggets do not pay attention and they leave him open, if he hits four, they're three, not going to leave him open. I mean, uh, let's not put any like hard barriers on the nuggets defense. I just Adam. mean, I just mean like, as a game plan, they might leave him open from incompetence, but that's I don't what think I'm saying. Like, no, no, they're not, they're I'm, not no, gonna, no. Yeah. I'm not saying it'll be skiing. Joe saying, Ingles to beat yeah, us. Like, no, no that, though, I wouldn't I'm just that. saying they might lose him because okay. it's the nuggets defense. And so if you don't stay, like my thing has just been like, if you stay home on Ingles, the jazz offense does not have enough. Like he no. has been pivotal for them. And honestly, that changes if they have Bogdanovich because they, then you have two guys in that same role where if you leave them, you're, and you can't cover both of them and handle Mitchell pick and roll with, with no. Gobert. But Bogdanovich isn't here. So we're really kind of back to where the jazz have been only with a little bit of an upgrade in Mike Conley. And from that perspective, like the big thing is it's always been this. If you cut off angles, if you stay home on angles, they do not have enough firepower. They just don't. Yeah. So if he has four threes, I think the Jazz yep. win. Yep, if he sure. has yep. one three, I think the Nuggets probably win. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think and that's so accurate. That, that's why to me he's a big deal. And also, like, look, if, if he's attacking and pick and roll and he's getting, like, let's say that he gets super aggressive versus the hedge and doesn't back off of it. If he, if he gambles and tries to brush past Jokic and he, does, and he gets the call and then Joker picks up foul trouble, because Ingles is crafty. God, I hope that foul trouble does not become a story tomorrow. I really do. I mean, that would just be the worst. You never, you never want it, but you God, know, Foster's going to be there. I promise it. I can, yep. I can see it already. He's going to yeah. be calling this game. It's going to so, be, it's going to so be wild. That's why I think Ingles matters. The crazy thing is, we're coming into the series, and I sincerely believe this: Monte Morris, Niang, um, Royce O'Neal, Paul Millsap. Those guys round out the list, and they're all actually important. They all could swing this game i mean it's i don't think they will i think their odds are the lowest but you know monte morris goes three for three from the three-point line tomorrow that's huge for denver royce o'neill goes three for three that's huge for utah so those guys are all going to get opportunities i think they're all going to come out in the wash but any one of those guys can elevate it um i'm ex go ahead you got something yeah so okay my list i just want to go over my list real quick my list would be joker mitchell ingles murray and wow. five five would be jeremy grant so you see him as more than just – I mean, he does have some highs and lows, and he has I, a big role. But I think here's the thing. Is like he's he's going to get a lot more opportunities than MPJ is because uh, – That's the guy they'll leave open. That, well, not only is that the guy that they'll leave open, but the Nuggets know where he is. They know that he exists. 
for more than half the game. They know, like, they recognize that Jeremy Grant is a living person and not a ghost in the corner. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Jeremy's just going to get more touches. Like, you just he'll play more minutes and, and he'll get more touches. And so, like, if they blitz, like, if they blitz, a lot of what they'll probably, like, the Nuggets' easy transition there, let's, let's say that they moved Jokic, they moved Gobert off Jokic, which they did in the last game. Let's say they move Gobert off, okay? Um, and they try and they put him on Grant. Well, then Grant can pick and pop out if they blitz Murray. And that's an easy, just like simple action. And he'll have an open three every single time and open rhythm three. And if they bring a help defender to rotate, then you're especially screwed because at that point you have Joker with a three on two and you are like, yeah. he's getting a dunk out of it to somebody. So yeah. maybe not to Monte Morris, but like to everybody else, <laughs> like everybody else is dunking the ball. So like that's the, that's the key here is, is, uh, how that mechanism will work. I mean, look, to start the game is going to be Millsap. They're going to leave Millsap open, you know? Yeah. And and you have to basically bury Paul in the corner, and then they're going to play off and just dare him to, to be him that way. And that maybe that's the problem, but there are uh, Grant will get opportunities. And if Grant, again, Grant's kind of like Ingles. If Jeremy Grant has three three-pointers, I think the Nuggets win. Yeah. We'll see. There's a, it's going to be it's a good, close series. It's been a fun one. I hope we get one more classic it's before the series wraps up, and I really crazy. hope that it's a Nuggets one. Hang on. It's just it's wild to me that we're at the point where you're like, it's been a fun series, and I'm like, 10 days ago, it was not a fun series. Well, it was like the worst <laughs> series imaginable. Denver's almost climbed their way all the way out of this, but um, it has been a fun – I mean, look, here's one thing about I'll say about the series, and you, if it ends on a win, I think that it's really a real big benefit for Denver – I feel like they learned about themselves a lot last year in the playoffs, and I think they grew and they, they added some weapons in the playoffs through a lot of adversity. I think the Nuggets gained something out of this series, win or lose, and if they win, they gain some, a lot. But Jamal Murray's ability to sort of carry this team this far, I think, is going to serve them very well. I think Michael Porter realizing just how hard NBA defense is at the top level is extremely important. And just knowing who their guys are, knowing all the different weapons they have, I think it's valuable. So... In that way, not all all is not lost, regardless of what happens. But if you get a win, you sure feel a lot better about it. Um, for Matt Moore, I'm Adam Modest. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to have the recap tomorrow. Whatever happens, we'll see you guys on the other side.